0: This is Dan Fagella and you're listening to AI in Industry. This is our second episode in our November series on forming your corporate AI strategy. Last week we heard from Ian Wilson, the former head of AI at HSBC. Today we hear from Carlos Escafa, who is the global AI and ML practice leader for Amazon Web Services. He's based in the Bay Area. Carlos speaks with us this week about starting kind of more practically about an AI strategy. Instead of thinking AI first and strategy second, oh, how do we integrate the newest AI tools into our strategy? How do we look at what we're doing already and just figure out where AI fits in there? sort of a practical first-step approach to an AI strategy and a couple thought experiments to actually get started and get off the ground. Carlos obviously has a lot of experience in this area as practice leader of AI and ML at AWS, and I think a lot of his insights are prescient. So without further ado, we're going to fly into this episode. This is Carlos Escapa here on AI and Industry. (laughs) So Carlos, I wanted to start us off by talking about supporting existing business initiatives, existing strategy with AI capabilities. There's probably a right and wrong way for an enterprise to do that, to now consider AI and layer that into their strategy. What do you see as sort of a proper way to think through that, maybe a framework for going through that process?
1: What I would say is that AI is fundamentally changing business, not because it is injecting intelligence, but actually because it is injecting predictions or inferences. I think that is a better way to mm-hmm. look at how AI gets baked uh, into the business uh, and, and the business processes. The fact that you can now use corporate data to draw insights, uh, you now have empirical informations that. You can represent knowledge with. And then that knowledge all of a sudden becomes available to people throughout the organization. By providing these predictions or these inferences, it allows people to operate in a much uh, more precise manner. Um, the the inferences actually is a way to bring the knowledge uh, that is garnered from the past and then accelerate the time to productivity for employees and indeed to start to automate. Uh, Functions that uh, before required cognitive processes and not only a lot of education but a lot of experience. Now all of a sudden we can compress that by using AI.
0: Yeah, I think that's that is the big promise. That's definitely the the focus of the show. It sounds like your frame though is not to to kind of go into an enterprise setting and say, hey, you know, AI is changing it because it's bringing in intelligence. But you kind of had two specific smaller terms, do you think that making it more granular like that, saying things like inference, like, hey, we're, we're bringing inference into business, makes it less open-ended than a term like intelligence, which sounds like it can do everything? Is that, is that why you use that language, or what's your choice there?
1: Well, I try to be very realistic in the projects and not position AI as something to replace human intelligence. We're talking about different concepts, actually. Unfortunately, we use the same word, but it's a little bit like saying that the wing of an airplane is similar to the wing of a bird. Yeah. It, it is not. It is not. we were just inspired by the birds to, to build wings and, and airplanes, but they don't do the same thing. So it's something similar with artificial intelligence. The, the inferences are really mathematical expressions that uh, are derived from a lot of empirical data. That, that is actually what we are doing. It has this magical effect, right? But it is actually applied mathematics. And the, the inferences, what they help us with is um, assisting with cognitive processes or altogether making humans derive what we now call superpowers. Is is a way of, of saying we're actually generating very highly skilled workers because they're actually being provided with, uh, with inferences. So that is, I think, the the key distinction
0: that has to be made. Okay. Yeah. Explaining it in that way. And and there are going to be some cases where maybe certain jobs, you know, can and in the future probably will be replaced by AI. It doesn't mean anybody's trying to be a bad person, but as you're saying, you know, there's many cases where it's simply enhancing people and bringing kind of maybe, you know, again, not using the word intelligence, bring inference into the enterprise process. I guess the The question that I have around the theme of this month around AI strategy is how you kind of now bring AI. So a lot of these concepts, even what you're speaking about with me here, this idea of intelligence versus inference of sort of where AI is valuable, sometimes even those basic ideas are new to the C-suite. When you you know are working with uh, a company that's considering where AI fits into their existing strategy, how do you bring in and teach those kind of lessons? How do you find the fit for where AI can vi- can find value within an enterprise setting where, where not everybody is is expert at AI?
1: There's definitely a cultural change that has to be driven uh, in, in companies that want to adopt uh, AI. It is not enough to just basically say, okay, we're going to get um, become more productive by by using AI. There is a big change involved in making meetings um, about data rather than about opinions. And this is a key difference that you, you, you actually feel very clearly when a company has decided that they will be data-driven. People don't just go and say, okay, I think that, but rather they actually say, here is an analysis that we have brought that shows that we have a problem with X. You know, this can be churn. it could be basket size, it could be competitiveness and, and so on. And then the decision makers actually start to think about, okay, well, we analyze a, a, a given workflow and we find that we have some tasks that we do by policy and decision points in that workflow. In those decision points, do we have data in the company or can we acquire data outside of the company that could be used to provide inferences and help to enhance those decisions? And this is the key part where the data scientists come in and they say, uh, yeah, we we have this data that is maybe spread around different silos, that it is not consolidated, but could be used in order to provide uh, um, machine learning models that can be triggered and then help to make those decisions more precise, more relevant, more timely. And this is um, the way that I encourage executives to look for the low-hanging fruit and start to see a successful adoption of machine learning.
0: Got it. Okay. So we can actually dive into this a little bit. And I I like this kind of incremental approach, right? I mean, this idea to some degree, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that we can take stabs at, at strategy at different levels. But one of them is what you're articulating here, which is let's take a look at some of our business functions. Let's take a look at some of the workflows within those business functions. And then let's ask if there's steps in those workflows that I guess, like what you had said here, where we really are you know, making a judgment in some way, shape, or form. And maybe there's a way with, with data we have or data that we don't have to sort of leverage AI to, to speed that up. Is this is this a process that is sometimes done systematically? In other words, do executives often come together or do you would you recommend that executives come together, think through a lot of different workflows and, and functions at one time? And find kind of where those sweet spots are across the whole business? Or do you see this more being done in kind of isolation, like within the compliance department, will do something like this. Or deep somewhere in the backside of the, the e-commerce branch of a big retailer, they'll do something like this. Do you, would you recommend it be done more, more high-level business-wide, uh, or would that be the wrong approach?
1: It's normally more business-wide. Normally, okay. okay. It depends on the maturity of, of the companies. The, the early adopters have already moved to models where they embed the data science teams in the lines of business. And it is normal to have a centralized data operations team that behaves as a data supplier inside of the company. So yeah. they build out data lakes, they take care of the data extraction and streaming there's normally a lot of tasks associated with uh, creating a single source of truth, such as data normalization, de-identification. Um, there's some transformative uh, um, core processes there that normally belong in IT. And this would be what, are, what, are, what is known as data ops. Then uh, the data consumers in mature companies tend to be embedded in the lines of business and they have um, data science teams. But if you don't have the data consolidated and made available under a common the mandate where you break down the data silos, you explain to the data producers that the data belongs to the corporation and not to the divisions, and then there's an ecosystem created around the corporate data that begins to, to drive value. The companies that are a little bit less advanced or less mature in the adoption of machine learning uh, when they start, they typically have a centralized project where um, they look at what are competitive um, players doing in, in their space, how they're adopting ML, and then they try to identify projects that have relatively high impact where the data are available and there is um, expertise that can be either readily acquired or contracted in order to to tackle the first projects. And these tend to be statistically based. In other words, uh, they they tend to be done with the structured data. It's very normal for machine learning adoption to start from uh, uh, marketing or production processes.
0: Okay, this is this is kind of interesting. So you're drawing the distinction between the the more sophisticated and less sophisticated companies. I think a lot of our audience will be interested in that. When you mentioned how the you know, less sophisticated. And and I certainly don't mean that in any insulting sense for the people that are listening in, but there's some industries that are obviously newer to data science, right? There's there's some oil and gas companies. There's some manufacturing companies where this is just not a normal way of doing. So you're saying these less sophisticated firms. They tend to look at what's happening in their space, see what's high impact, and then try to pick projects kind of based on that. Do you believe that to some degree, that's the incorrect approach and that instead they should think more about, their workflows and processes writ large and then find the low-hanging fruit within the existing workflows as opposed to doing what you just said? Or do you think they're both viable ways to come up with initial AI projects?
1: They're both viable ways. I I wouldn't say that there is a concept of sophistication is more some companies just basically move faster than than others okay and the reason why a company may be a little slower in adopting ai could be that they have recently gone through a big merger or they have uh, new shareholders or what have you there's perfectly legitimate reasons why plenty yeah so in that case when you already look around and you see the fast movers in your industry sometimes in other countries or other regions, then it is absolutely normal that you would look there and say, okay, what has worked well for them? Do we have data to do something like what they have done? And then put together some uh, smaller projects where they may not be very ambitious or very large, but it is important to build credibility inside of the organization to prove that by pulling data together, by bringing data science, then there's a visible tangible benefit to the company and, and its shareholders. That that's what any any leader would do in order to establish credibility and build momentum around data science uh, initiatives.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a hard bet, right? Because for leaders, you not only have to think about what's going to deliver the, the best sort of long term strategic ROI, you know, building the capabilities and the teams and the data infrastructure, all those things that's harder to measure. You kind of need something that you can also show, right? Because if you built the right team infrastructure and the right, the right kind of data pipelines and you harmonize things well, you don't necessarily have something to, to show to shareholders. It's kind of brag worthy. It kind of feels like that could be at odds to some degree, Carlos. Do you see that where you know, having something to show can kind of be at odds of building the, the core capabilities that aren't very sexy but are very important? Is there some tension there?
1: I don't think so. At least I don't. Oh, okay. I don't perceive a lot of uh, a lot of tension in that. What I can tell you doesn't work is to go for flashy uh, projects. Definitely and, not. Definitely and, not. Uh, yeah, and, and dictated top down, those tend to be just minimal exercise, there's an MPV, the MVP that is being created by a team doing whatever, and then the model actually doesn't get operationalized because they fail to take into account the effect that the inference has in the business process, the skill level, regulatory requirements, uh, and so on. Therefore, it is much better to just be pragmatic. I can cite a couple of examples. If, if yeah, that yeah, helpful. that'd be
0: great. Yeah, It'd be really helpful to get a sense of Proper ways of thinking through this, you know, a, a right rather than a wrong way of kind of going through this process. So, yeah, example would be awesome, Carlos. Let's go for it.
1: So let's take um, the biggest airline in Europe is uh, Ryanair. They put together a natural language uh, chatbot in order to accompany customers from the moment they buy an airline ticket until they get on board, right? Um, in that period, there is a lot of interaction that takes place with the customers, and a lot of it is is the, is the trivial stuff: is the um, how many kilos am I allowed to bring on board, the size of the suitcases, I have a baby, can I bring uh, the pushchair in the airplane, and so on. So you can imagine that a customer services rep that has to answer those questions, you know, hundreds of those questions per day. You know, it doesn't necessarily feel like a very engaging thing to do, right? So when you bring an automated capability, you already free up people's time in order to handle much more complex uh, problems, like people who miss connections, uh, people who are handicapped or elderly, or, or they have some problem getting to the airport, whatever that, that happens to be. That makes the job a lot more rewarding and a lot more engaging, right? So that, that there is, that there is a, an, an effect. When you actually free employees up from uh, purely mechanical or rule-based tasks, you actually find out that people can get extremely creative and that humans actually are very good about handling ambiguous situations and doing things with, with empathy and compassion. So taking care of the mechanical uh, work through artificial intelligence actually brings up a, a lot of value in a very visible way. And you can actually achieve results relatively quickly. The technology is already quite ripe in order to handle natural language, at, at least. Uh, in certain the, use cases, for sure, yeah. Yeah. There's some that are uh, mature, yeah. So th- then what you can do is um, you can actually have uh, machine learning algorithms look at how humans handle some of the responses that are not automatable up front and then put that in a feedback mechanism so that actually you can you keep on improving the chatbot and then the percentage of um, inquiries coming from the passengers actually can be improved week to week, month to month, depending on how frequently you retrain the models. So th- this is an example of uh, you, you get an immediate visible effect that uh, that can be felt in the company uh, and then keeps getting better over time.
0: Well, of course, yeah, that would be the, the great promise of, of sort of AI. Maybe I'll bring us back to one other question as we wrap up here, Carlos, because I think this will be handy for the folks thinking about this month's theme here around strategy and really really putting what you're saying into action. When you see executives do this process well, you know, you had mentioned looking at existing functions, workflows, and then processes and asking the question, where can inference and judgment sort of be baked in here where, where AI would have an opportunity? Is there a right way to pull everybody together and have that conversation? Do, do companies who do this well kind of set aside a real time during, let's say, quarterly planning to, to kind of do a bit of an AI audit of sorts to find those opportunities? Or is that the wrong approach? In other words, what's the right way to kind of get that landscape of where AI could drive value in our business and, and try to be thorough about that. What's the, the right, I guess, short process to, to follow there?
1: Well, in, in AWS, we actually provide our partners with a template to go and have these meetings with the, with the customers. And there is normally a cross section from the customers that participate in these initial meetings. They tend to have. A, A couple of people from IT, particularly the the data owners, if they have a data science person or persons, they also participate. It's very important to have line of business representation. And then we encourage our partners to present to customers a set of use cases for their particular vertical, just to get the the creative juices flowing, to understand what is the state of, of the art in their vertical, how AI is being adopted. And then in a very natural way, the conversations, uh, the, the dialogue starts to flow and uh, people begin to talk about what use cases are most relevant for their company. This is a process that can be repeated on a regular basis in order to identify projects or specific business problems that can be addressed through machine learning and then propose uh, projects to create the machine learning models and then discuss how they will be integrated into business processes.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a a lot of wisdom in just the fact that you'd mentioned that this process is repeated. You know, I think it's very unlikely that we're going to unearth everything that we could do with AI for the next two years in a single meeting. We can probably do different high level meetings at at different points. But like you said, pulling those different stakeholders together to pool those ideas might be something that happens more than once. And I, I really appreciate you sharing at least some kind of framework of how people could come together and actually hold those meetings. Hopefully, those of you listening in, can be inspired by a little bit of this as as you start to have your early conversations in terms of adopting AI and implementing strategy. Carlos, I know that that's all that we have for time, but I I sincerely appreciate you sharing your ideas. And I can tell you have a lot to say about teams, so maybe I'll have to pull you back in for that topic again later on. I've really learned a lot today, so I appreciate having you on here.
1: Very well. Thanks for having me then.
0: So that's all for this episode of AI in Industry. On the next episode in our continued series on building your corporate AI strategy in this month of November, we interview Adam Bonifield, who is the VP of Artificial Intelligence at Airbus. Our first episode was with the former head of AI at HSBC, a 50-something billion euro company per year and airbus is a 60 something billion dollar company per year so what are the transferable lessons about ai strategy for a company so large that can translate to really any business well you'll have to tune in next week to find out adam bonifield joins us here on ai and industry and i look forward to having you here with us so look forward to catching you next week